This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. So, uh, Mr. Justin. Yeah, Mr. Andros. Yeah, listen, uh, so, you know, I don't know if you know this, but political season is coming up. Like, there's going to be, like, elections and stuff. No shit. Yeah, and I was thinking about <laughs> about pivoting my business to get, in, like, get some of that election money. Get some of that, get some of that uh, Citizens United money from dark sources so I can, like, advertise on the Facebook. Yeah, man, because there's no rules. It's like the Wild West. What do you think of that idea? Well, as long as that money's coming from online, I like myself internet money, so. Yeah, I like internet money, too. And uh, lucky for us, we have an expert who's going to tell us all about that. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Marketing Geeks. Marketing Geeks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back, and uh, I'm Andrew Sturgeon. And I am Justin Womack. And uh, we are the Marketing Geeks. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have uh, actually, you know, we've had some complaints on this show that uh, sometimes I get a little too political. But I can't help it, as I've said. Uh, marketing uh, is political. But uh, our, our uh, next guest has made a career out of this. Uh, he has a very interesting story. Uh, he is the author, the best-selling author of Fire Them Now, the seven lies digital marketers sell. I want to find out what those seven lies are. Um, and he's worked with more, he has more than 20 years of experience with political uh, marketing. So I want to find out all about all of that. Ladies and gentlemen, Philip Stutz. Good to be here. Yeah, let's, man. Let's jump you. into this. Let's let's yeah. rumble. Welcome to the show. Yeah, buddy. Well, well. Before before we start off, you first of all, you have an interesting story uh, because uh, you in 2012 were diagnosed with an incurable disease. Can you? Would you mind talking about that first? Because I I want to find out. Like, well, actually, I'm going to rewind the clock. We'll leave that as an open loop. But I, I want to find out how did you get into political marketing to begin with? <laughs> Which one am I answering? Yeah. It's political marketing, political marketing, political marketing. Like how, um, how do you, do that? you know, I thought about this. I got asked this on a podcast recently and I, um, let me trace it back to, I am 45 years old. I am the first generation of ADD kids. We weren't even ADHD. <laughs> we were just ADD. Oh man. And, and like, uh, like I'm a little bit older. And when we had that, it wasn't called that. It was called, what the fuck's the matter with you? Get to your work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was step one. I was step two. Right. So, uh, I was diagnosed. I was put on Ritalin. I was told I was dumb. Uh, I was in classes that were, um, literally I had special ed kids in my class cause 
this is the way they treated people that you know learn differently it's also why i'm an entrepreneur because uh i went through a lot of rejection early on in my life um but ultimately it's part of the add i just can't do something i'm not really passionate about i, I literally have a mental wall i just can't i can't do it and yeah. so uh i really only cared about two things uh growing up and that was uh as crazy as it sounds college football i grew up in the state of alabama uh went to the university of alabama and then um i started being intrigued by politics because uh, I guess it's the competition of it, right? That keeps my attention. And so I started following politics. I was not a, uh, in any kind of political clubs in high school or college. I, I drank beer and had fun in college and high school, but, uh, I was totally intrigued by politics. I read the Washington post when I was in college, like a nerd. And, and I finally just said, I, this, I want to, I was either going to go work in some kind of like sports marketing or political marketing, and I, because those were the difference makers between whether people won or lost, people were successful or people failed. And I liked the living on the edge like that, and those two industries have it. And so uh, in 1996, I worked uh, for uh, the presidential campaign of Bob Dole. That was my first campaign. Uh, he lost to Bill Clinton. And uh, But I will tell Spoiler you – Spoiler alert. Yeah, well, yeah, don't – if you don't know the results, you know, push mute now. But um, hey, I will tell you this. Working on a political campaign – now, stick with me. It's like smoke and crack, and let me tell you why. All right. People that are on crack are like, it's the greatest high in the world, but it's ultimately not good for your health. And when you're working on a political campaign, you're working seven days a week – uh, all day long. There was a three-year period where I had 20 days off over three years uh, between the time I was 28 and 30. And oh, I was so passion-driven. I was fighting for these candidates I was working for. I was living in states like South Dakota and Louisiana and Washington, D.C., literally as a vagabond, living out of my car, working seven days a week to elect uh, what the politician I was working for. This is the most passionate I've ever been in my life. It's also the most unhealthy I've ever been in my life. And so when the campaign ends, just like smoking crack, you go, all right, I can never do this again. It's the worst thing for me. I've got to get over this. I cannot do this anymore. And then after about a week of that, of getting off the political campaign, because you know the election's over, you start you start getting the itch again. And you're like, ah, I got to go back to the pipe. And it's like, and so in a way, like I just kept going back to political campaigns, but it's like a drug in, in a way, because it's a win or lose. It's a win or die mentality. And I love that. No, I'm just yeah. thinking back here. Like 96 was the Dole election and you're 45. So you were pretty young going on the campaign trail. I mean, when did that start? Like 94, 95 when you, when you started working? No, on I, that just, campaign? I, just I just did 96. Just 96. Okay. Just yep. like so, at the end of it. Okay. Yeah. So what was political advertising like back in those days? Yeah. How was it changed? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's massive. Well, there was no internet. Wait, how many, how many podcasts you want to do with me? Um, <laughs> listen, back then, obviously it was all traditional. Like I, I can't, you know, uh, the, the day, you know, I'm going to really what I'd focus on more than anything else of where I think we are a hundred times more innovative is how we look at data and produce great strategy out of data. I think that's the difference between what we do. I think that's where we out innovate corporate marketers. And back then, you know, the data was just good enough to run TV ads, radio ads, drop mail, knock on doors and make phone calls. That was it. Obviously it's much more complicated now, but like the world and the economic world is is sort of disrupting right now. There's everything. All these industries are changing. Look, 
I've went, our industry changed and went through this starting in 2004 and resulted in 2016 with the election of Donald Trump. Whether you like him or not, he's the most disruptive force in the history of American <laughs> politics. And, and the fact is, is that didn't happen in 2016. It started in 2004 when for the first time ever, and I, by the way, I, on 2004, I was running the Get Out the Vote marketing campaign for George W. Bush's reelection. And what happened in that campaign was we, we had a meeting one day and the people came in and said, all right, we're going to radically look at data in this campaign. Now, this is 04. This is before any kind of social media, right? And we went, what do you mean? And they said, well, we're going to take consumer data and we're going to marry it with voter data. Voter data is simply like in your state right now or whatever state you live in in the United States, uh, I can go to the Secretary of State Board of Elections. They'll give me all the data on the voters, not who you voted for, but I'll know if you voted, what party you're registered to, whether you're male, female, how old you are, whether you have kids in the house. I can, yeah, that's all voter data, but it's very broad data, right? And before 2004, that's the data. That's all the data we utilized on political campaigns until 04, when we married consumer data with that voter data to understand deeply what those voters cared about and deliver ads just to what they cared about, right? It was the first time it had ever been done. And it really was the catalyst of why we won that election for the, uh, the re-election for President Bush. And it was the most disruptive moment in political, his, political marketing history until 2008, when Obama modeled everything we had built in 2004, and he added in the social media, la media layer, and he optimized it even more in 2012. And that was the two most innovative marketing campaigns in political history until 2016, when Trump came in and took that data model, took the social media, which by the way, the targeting and social media in 16 was beyond anything that had ever been done before, and he married it with great branding, the best branding campaign that had ever been run. And though that created what – I'm not talking about partisanship or anything like that. Just the marketing of that alone was the most innovative that has ever – innovation that has ever occurred in political history. Yeah. And I mean, we keep seeing these disruptions in the uh, – one, one last point. Why? Because we have election day. I have a winner and I have a loser. It's over. It's not my quarterly report. It's not meeting with my board to talk about my budgets or my brand identity. It's none of that bullshit. It is you win or you lose. I'm out of business if I don't win more than I lose. So if I, yeah, so I've got, I'm just obsessed with innovating because I either innovate or I die. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. And, and so you like, you kind of like that high pressure sort of like, you know, like, like it's, it, it's an adrenaline rush. I could, I could see that. Um, so, uh, I mean, there, there, there's, there's other points to it also. I mean, the, the fact that in my view, uh, you know, Facebook has, has been weaponized to basically take that data and then not only feed you messaging, but also feed you fear. So you make certain maneuvers that that's something that I'm, I'm having, I'm having, uh, I take issue with, sure. but, but, uh, but that's, that's beside the point. What I, what I really want to find out though, is, uh, what, what do you see 2020 looking like now? Like what are the bigger innovations that you feel are going to happen and, and change even more? Sure. So Facebook is a total shit platform in politics. Marketing. No, marketing. no. It's, it, I hope you're being facetious. Oh, I, okay. <laughs> it, Pretty sure. I mean, it is. Two, 2016, Man, I, I in 2016, and on Facebook, you could persuade voters 
Uh, and that voter data I told you about that we had, <laughs> that we've always utilized, uh, we, were, we were able to overlay that on Facebook and only target our ads to people that are registered to vote or if we know that they're high propensity voters. So like if you registered to vote, but you never vote, I won't go after you. Right. Yeah. But if you vote all the time, that's maybe how we would target that. So, um, well, one of the things that I came to understand is that the targeting got really specific to finding the most, uh, I'll call them vulnerable or the most, um, persuadable, the most persuadable segments, like the people that are like were, uh, that are in, truly independent that tend to change in election yeah. to election, whether they vote Republican or Democrat. And that, uh, that, that the Trump campaign did an excellent job of really segmenting them down. And that was part of the Cambridge Analytica thing. Um, no, and- no, no. No, oh, you're, a, you're right, but the Cambridge Analytic thing is something totally separate. So put that over the side. Okay, put that but to your the side. Premise, okay. Your premise is 100% right. Yeah. So tell me about that. So tell me, how, how do you well, target, well, how do you let target me, those? Let me put a bow on the previous question, and then yeah. I'll go to that. You got it. So Facebook in 2016 was a great persuasion platform. It is not a persuasion platform anymore. It is too hard. Uh, Facebook has too many limitations on it. They've uh, they've pretty much uh, ended that ability. What it is is the ability to reinforce a message to the people that already like you um, and to raise money. That's the only reason to be on Facebook now. It is not to persuade voters. You, It, it is almost impossible to do that anymore. Um uh, to get to the Cam- – what do you want to know about Cambridge? I'll tell you everything you want to know. Oh, tell, well, well, yeah, just tell us what you know. Yeah, I mean, Cambridge uh, is a total fraudulent company. Uh, they can say that they work that, – that documentary on Netflix is 100% bullshit. Really? Um, and, and I will tell you the Trump people hated them and barely used them. Cambridge came to my office three different times over a three-year period, and we lapped them out of our office because they were so inept. What that documentary says is complete and utter bullshit. My friends worked at Cambridge. They will tell you it was bullshit, that they were making up stuff to try to get contracts, that they were lying in their pitches to get contracts, that what they said they could do, they could not do. And so, so what, what's the real story then? What, tell, give, give us like the, the real Yeah, point. there are other data companies out there that we work with that are a thousand times more effective than what Cambridge ever said they could do. So why can't you persuade on Facebook anymore? Is it just too, um, too if cumbersome? You, too yeah, cumbersome? they'll, they'll okay. take it down. They'll take it down. Uh, okay. they, they won't do anything. Um, yeah, and and it, you know, like Twitter, and and by the way, you know, Google is uh, now you know eliminating a lot of. Th- I mean, like the platforms are eliminating the ability to get the message out. Now, most of your audience is going to be like, "Good, thank God, I hate those fucking political ads." I get that. I'm 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 understand that, but. The New York Times and the Washington Post still are sending out or putting up political posts, anti-candidate posts, uh, stories that hurt candidates, whether they're Republican or Democrat, mostly to help Democrats and hurt Republicans. And they are advertising those things on Facebook. They're advertising those on Google. They are using the platform to push an agenda and we are not allowed to respond to that anymore on our side. And I, I mean, I just think that's wholly unfair. I, I think that, that's funny. It's not what, what I'm seeing. I, I mean, I see, I see, I, I see a different type of narrative than that. But, but as far as like, uh, because there's there's definitely like like news news sites on both sides 
that have agendas. Right? Oh, yeah, sure. And push stories. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's narratives that are, are competing, right? Um, sure. You know but, the narrative on the conservative site, for sure. You know the narrative on Daily Coast, for sure, right? That's the liberal site. Mm -hmm. The narrative on the Washington Post and the New York Times is supposed to be down the middle, and it's not. No, no. I mean, and and so that's my. Well, you, you look at who owns. I mean, it's you follow the money. Who owns them? Like, what are the? Totally agree. Who, yep. Yeah. Hundred percent. What, what are the agendas of the people who own own these? Yeah. Uh, these things. But but what I what I um, <clears throat> what I really want to get down to then is uh, how how are you are you are you going to be involved in some campaigning this yeah. coming. So how what what are the strategies that you're employing yeah. now? Well, the strat. I mean, it, it's um. I would almost say, what tactics are you employing now? The strategy has never differed. It is, and I'd even take a step back. The one thing that we're doing with our corporate clients is employing the same formula that we get political or politicians elected. Um, I'm not seeing this formula being implemented in the business marketing world. Uh, sports teams implement this exact formula. Uh, trial lawyers implement this formula to win cases. Sports teams use it to win championships. Doctors use it to cure patients. Uh, we use it in politics to win, a, in our marketing to win elections. And I don't see it in the business world. And the first, and then I'm going to get to the tactics in there, but the first step is you must know what the voter cares about. So the first thing I do when I work with a politician it, before I go market them is I go take a – I'm going to be very uh, very elementary here just because of time. But we go out and take a poll in the district. It's much more complicated than that. It's much more analytical and data-driven. Uh, I can you know look at hundreds of thousands of data per voter and understand what they think and feel. But for, the, for this sake – We'll go take a poll in a state or a district, and we'll find out what the voters care about. What I always do is sit down with a candidate and say, what do you care about? And let's say that candidate, she says, I care about these 10 things. And I go, awesome. We just took a poll in your state, and your voters only care about the two of the things that you care about. And they care about them at a very high intensity level. We are not talking about those eight things at all. We're only going to talk about two things for the, from now and for the next 18 months. That's all we're going to talk about. Those two things. Now, there are going to be a thousand different variations of those two things, but that's it. Nothing more. We're not deviating. We're going, this is what the voters care about. If you're a business marketer out there, it's the same mentality. Are you, do, you utilizing all the data on your customers to Deeply understand what they care about before you market a product or service. They don't give a fuck about your product or service. You must find out what they care about and then use yeah. your product or service to serve their needs. So that's how we look at things. Then we build a complete strategic plan. Then we – this is step two in the po political world. We build the marketing plan. Step three is we rebrand or brand them completely based on what the data told us, those two things. Obviously, there's a biographical aspect of it, but we're going to focus in on two or three things. That's it. That's all our branding is going to be about. And then we're going to go out and we're going to test the message. So the message, it could be the language. It could be obviously the content. We'll test it 100 different ways. On the Trump campaign in 2016, they would take one ad and they would test it 116 different ways. It, it could be a different colored background. It could be a green background, a blue background. They could change one word. They could change one little message. They could do a million different ways. And then what we would find is what you know, obviously the the voters will click or want to know more. And then we go, great. 
now that we've run all the messaging testing, now that we know within those two or three issues what crushes and what doesn't, we know how to run this. So, for example, we ran, we were um, one of the media firms for uh, the governor's race in New Hampshire in 2018. A guy named John Sununu running for governor. This was the year of the woman in in politics, right? All the all these uh, incredible candidates that ran that were women, and I think it's awesome. We had a woman running against a white Republican governor in a blue wave election, mm-hmm. and it was a very close race. The data on the voters told us very simply that tax cuts were extremely important to sell to the voters. More than anything else, they want the governor enacted tax cuts. They were very popular, and that's what we should be talking about. But what we found in the testing page was something we did not expect, and this is why, if you're a business owner, this is the exact same thing that happens. We find it with every corporate client we work with. But what happened was we found that independent uh, independent voters were the key segment we had to narrow in on. Independent men just wanted to, just wanted the reinforcement of tax cuts. They didn't care about anything else. Independent women women wanted to know how they these tax cuts affected people. So our ads were to men on the social digital OTT platforms were all about tax cuts. This governor came to you. He gave you more money in your pocket. Boom, that's it. Our video ads for independent women, and they were only delivered to independent women, were about a mom's story about how the tax cuts put more money in pocket and she was able to send her – and these are true stories, by the way. I don't work in false narratives. And it was about how she was able to provide more uh, options for her family, better uh, – she could have a better life, all this stuff. The governor – when before we ran those ads, before we really started testing that data, it was a tide race. He ended up winning by eight points in a blue wave election in the, in the election of the woman – he won. And I'm telling you, this is how we run every political marketing campaign. Guess what? My opponent that is marketing another, the other candidate trying to beat me is running the same formula. In business marketing, no one follows this formula. Or 99% Not of marketers many. don't follow this yeah, formula. Yeah. I right. think most 99%. people get, they get married to, um, they get trapped in that one idea, but then they don't segment it down further. Like you, what you talked about, you actually segmented it down to the independent women who want to hear the story with the sure. music in the background and get the real personal touch. And then the men just want the bottom line. Just show me that we saved money and I'm good. I'll vote for you again. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I'll give you another example on the corporate front of how we did that. We work with an apparel company. And when we went in this testing phase, we found out that uh, we st- I'm a big proponent. We could go off on a huge tangent on this, on using comparative advertising and corporate mar- and marketing mm-hmm. and advertising. Uh, people don't do it. It draws huge distinctions. If you do it in a way that doesn't offend anybody, you have an exponential growth in your marketplace. I'm a huge performer of it. I call it comparatizing, right? Not negative ads, but comparatizing, right? It's the, it's de- in politics, I'll beat somebody over the head with a stick. I don't care. But in corporate, you can't do that. And so with this apparel company, we did a testing phase and we found out in the data um, that they wanted a higher, the customer base wanted a higher standard. So we went in and tested all of these different messages. What we found was the number one ad amongst men 18 to 35 was the comparatizing ad we ran for them. And it was, don't buy your clothes from a shoe company. Uh, And then the tagline was, just don't do it. It (laughs) blew everything we had out of the water. Men loved it. They crushed it. They, They were purchasing like crazy. But women responded at a higher rate 
to a third-party validation, a five-star review. So all the ads that they responded to was the ads where the, the five-star was across the, the label of the clothing. Yeah. And it was like a, a, a one quote that somebody had written about their clothing, like the most comfortable things I've ever worn. They wanted to feel and have validation. I wouldn't have known that had I not seen the data and then tested what the data told us. So now, before I go spend all my clients' money on the corporate side, I have given, I've eliminated their risk. I've eliminated, I've let them win before I make a lot of money. By the way, that's good because I'm going to make a lot of money down the road because they're going to be more successful. And I didn't just say, hey, let's run a bunch of Facebook ads and just put some things up. I had a great brainstorm session at the table this morning. Like, we don't think like that. I don't make a decision without data, and it all comes from how we looked at it in politics. Now, is this one, wow. of, your, is this one of your seven um, lies that digital marketers sell, like in your book? Is this one of them right here that they're not segmenting down? I'm just curious. And we'll so come back. Believe, we'll come back. No, but yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the lies is, no, I, I believe... All, almost all marketing agencies are testing. But what they do, and the lie is, we got to spend a lot of money to test. And I think that's not true. I'm not a big banner ad guy, but I do believe banner ads have a, have a place because it's cheap to test messages and, and see what people, if people are going to click on a banner ad, that says a lot to me. And so, because I'm not doing it. So, um, so I like to use them there. So I go to companies and I say, before we spend and blow your butt, you know, you want to spend 7% of your, you know, certain amount of your budget on, on marketing. Before we do that, we're going to go do low cost testing and across the board and segment on all these things. And then let's figure out what has the, what is, you know, rises to the top. And once we do that, now we know how to spend your money more appropriately. It's more of an ethical. I'm going to tell you something that's going to blow your mind. Okay. Political marketers are more ethical than business marketers. No. Yep. I, I believe it. Yep. <laughs> 100%. I, I, I would say uh, as far as ethical, I would say it's more a matter of you've got to be more strategic when it comes to those budgets. So they're yeah. – I mean the thing is about what you're saying is absolutely right. I mean whenever I do – look, I came on – I came – I was hired by a company – and they they were in they had just launched a campaign and they spent a hundred thousand euro on this campaign and they were doing banner ads and video ads and I was like well what's the what's the call to action oh we just send them to the website yeah you just send them to the like the front page of the website like what the hell's it they'll so figure it out test <laughs> well, we 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 had we had we had this one ad that we were running. It's like, did you guys run any tests? Did you guys do anything? No. So, so I ha I came in, I rewired their entire thing, and 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 first thing I said was like, let's like look at these different market segments, let's test these different messages on these different market segments. So we're going to launch the whole campaign with this? No, we're going to want we're going to spend a little tiny bit of money just to see what right. works, and then we'll narrow it down. And that's how you do it. That's I mean, a, this is, that you're you're if you I mean, do you want me to tell these, you the most unethical play by by corporate marketers? Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. This is my number one. I'll tell you my number one lie. I'm not going to go through all of them. I'll go through my number one. It's the biggest. And the lie is you must sign a long term contract with a corporate marketer. So what I ca I interviewed 100 CEOs for the business, Fortune 500 to small business owners. Every single one of them said, "Ah, we fired three marketing firms already in my company." And I go, "Why?" Ah. Well, one, we had to sign a 12-month contract with them. And when, they, when after three months, we realized, first of all, they weren't 
taking our calls. They weren't responding. The ads weren't working. And we were locked in for nine more months and we had to pay them out. And I went, that is total insanity. I'm not saying everybody does this, by the way, but the vast majority do. And here's how it works in my business. Since 1996, I have never, political or corporate, I've never had a contract that wasn't month to month. Every contract I have is month to month. They can fire me at any time if I'm not performing. If that's my mindset, what am I prioritizing? Am I prioritizing some big sale so I can make money in the short term? Or am I prioritizing their win first? And when they win, I then I win. And that's how it works every single time in politics. And I kept finding CEOs. There was one CEO, and now this is a much bigger company, that had to sign a $75,000 signing bonus to the marketing firm just for the privilege of working with them. And and I just went, that's totally bogus. The marketing firm should only win when the business wins. And that's why I'm constantly thinking about, my God, if I don't perform, I'm gone. So yeah. I must succeed or I'm out of business. Every client, I have two marketing agencies, a political and a corporate. Every client of ours is month to month. Okay, so, so I got to ask you, it, it, you know, uh, Citizens United, it, it brought in a lot of money. There's a, there's a lot of people running. Yeah. Uh, how, how, do I, how do I do it? I want to get into it. I want to, I want, I want to taste that. I'll, walk, taste you that through, I'll walk you through the steps in the book. Uh, but I will tell you right now, here's the easy way. Uh, you can't. And uh, here's, what? why you got to crush my dreams, man? Why you got to shit on my wings? Like, so what's up with that? The one exception is a guy named Brad Parscale, who's uh, running Trump's campaign, right? He came from corporate and he... Oh, I heard all about him. I, I know his story. Yeah. It's kind of funny. So here's why. Everything, every contract in politics, whether it's for marketing, whether it's for fundraising, whether it's for anything, is all based on relationships. And everybody in our industry... It, your, our business development is complementary players because they're going to be like, yeah, we don't do what Philip does. Let's give them the business. Philip's really good at this. Let's get in the business. They will never, I, I will never give any money to any someone, anybody who has never worked on a political campaign. One, I would never do that. Two, I'm only going to give a, a contract on something I don't do to a vendor that I completely trust and I've worked with before. That's how Everybody operates in our business. If Cambridge came in and they, the one thing they did do was they basically used their money to blackmail these, these candidates and say, hey, we'll give you donations, but you have to hire our data company, right? And, and so that, that's how they bought their way in. I, I'm, I, you can probably buy your way in. That's, that's probably the way. But oh, the yeah, reason can, it didn't can... work was they had no experience in this. And so they came in and said, we're different. We're this great data company. We'll hire some political people. Boom. And, and by the way, our founders have a lot of money and they'll donate to your campaign and boom. Oh, they Steve, got Bannon. The Steve Bannon was the guy who founded Cambridge Analytics. No, he was on their board. That is not. Yeah, the, he came up with the name. The Mercer, the, the Mercer family is the one that. Oh, those guys. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, okay. So, so, uh, the, 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 this leads me back to the 2020 campaign. If if uh, Facebook, you know, is is a platform that I think a lot of people like. Uh, my prediction is that in five, ten years, unless Facebook comes up with something really innovative, it's going to be a ghost town. Uh, it's gonna it's gonna go the way of MySpace. But what what uh, what do you see 
being the big tool that people are going to use to get into the minds of, uh, you know, the, the, the proletariat out there? Uh, OTT. Over the top. Y'all know over the top? Mm-mm. Right. I don't think so. What is it? Uh, Hulu, that Roku, all that. So it's all IP. Tar- so two things. I'm going to tell you the two massive innovations that have come in. We're, we're Sylvester fi- Stallone movie. He was a he was yeah. A, yeah that's a great one. Different over uh, the top. Big oh, big fan yeah. of that movie. So, yeah, uh, disconnect. <laughs> I, I did bring Sylvester Stallone in. He's going to arm wrestle every single person for a boat. Uh, uh, so you know, over the top is basically connected to internet connected TV, right? Okay. Uh, there are going to be two big innovations that are occurring right now um, that I think are, and I'll walk through them. But over the top. So Hulu, um. All the TV companies, so Samsung, uh, Vizio, all that, they'll give us all the data. So we can IP target those ads. So if, you, if you're on Hulu, and I, I have, I've, I've cut the cord, uh, 30 to 40% of people have cut the cord. It's growing, right? It's going to be, you know, in 10 years, there won't even be cable. So um, I'm on, let's say I have a subscription to Hulu, and I have a subscription to YouTube TV. Well, we get the data. Or they give us the data, right? We'll know if you're a voter watching TV. So, like, we have um, – I'm not going to tell you which one. We have a corporate client who had a negative story run on them on the NBC Nightly News. We were able to capture the data of everybody that watched on connected TV the NBC Nightly News that night. Nobody else, just those people that saw the negative story. We were able to put an ad in place and only deliver it to the people that saw that NBC Nightly News story. Now – Here's the crazy part. It wasn't that we were able to deliver it on Hulu or Roku or any of the, uh, the connected TV. It's IP targeted. So we were able to deliver it on devices and on connected TV. So now we get the benefit of running ads on a big TV, but Uber targeted, which you know, obviously cable TV, regular TV is not Uber targeted. So that is a huge innovation coming in the marketplace. The other, um, you've heard of geofencing. Right. Yeah. Right. No. You know, geofencing. So can you explain it to our listeners who, who don't know? Great. Geofencing is I literally can put a I can draw a circle around your house right now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Justin and deliver ads on your IP address just to you. Nobody else. Yeah. Okay. A, I could put a geofence around a geographic location. It could be a conference. Right. It could be an office building. Obviously, this is being done like you can geofence U.S. Capitol <laughs> and run ads, you know, so. I can do that. That's been around for years. Uh, everybody and a lot of you know marketers are utilizing that right now. The innovation that's coming out right now is geofarming, and geofarming is going to. This isn't this. This is awesome. It's going to blow your mind. Geofarming is I can go back two and a half years to any geographic location and capture the people that were in that spot. So if you are a business owner, there was a conference in Las Vegas at the Mirage Hotel, and it was all the people you're trying, all the vendors you're trying to sell a product to. I c- and it was done in 2017, this conference, right? I can right now go back, geofence that particular room or where it was happening, get all the IP addresses of the people that were there, their phones, and start delivering ads just to those people. And where do you get that data from? So are you getting that from the cell phone companies or like who, who's selling the data? Uh, there are companies out there that have this in place now. 
Interesting. That was a very vague answer. That's fine. I mean, that's fine. Do you think I get into the weeds of this? I'm just telling you what it is. Like, I go to the vendor that we work with, and I go geofarm this, and he goes boom, yeah. and he does it. It is pretty. It is pretty fascinating, though, about like uh, cable television versus digital TV. Because in the past, like Nielsen ratings were really inaccurate. I mean, they're they were very much yeah. uh, based on educated guesses at the best. So we can actually track exactly who's watching what and what you talked about with them watching that news segment, you basically get an unfiltered rebuttal to the whole story, which is pretty incredible. So I, I got, okay, I got a couple of questions here. First of all, I, wanna, a lot I just want to address, yeah, I just want to address the, the morality <laughs> of this, right? What's, I mean, like, yeah. there, there, there's, I mean, what's, what's immoral all, about it? Well, I, I mean, okay, let's say hypothetically that this certain company yeah. that has a negative story, and, and let's just be real, maybe it's not a negative story. Maybe it's like something happened and people need to know that this company did something that was not an in integrity and maybe hurt some people, right? So so with that, what what what, what is the benefit to humanity mm. to counter that narrative sure. to keep this mechanism going that's destructive to our our psyche. So I don't I don't agree with that premise at all. And when you say the media gets to be the arbiter of what's right and what's wrong, uh, I've worked for 25 years with the media, and I can tell you they've written stories about me that are completely false. Um, I work for companies that believe that there are two sides to every story. I work with politicians that believe there are two sides to every story. It's kind of what the Constitution is all about. You have the First Amendment right to speak what you want to speak about. And I believe everybody is entitled to a defense. And if a, if the NBC Not Your News runs a story about a problem the company has, fair. But don't they have the right to respond to that? They, of course they do. Of course they do. But but what what I I see as a problem is that it, it's, it's now not a matter of responding to a, a narrative. It, it, what what our world is coming to is creating an alternate narrative that runs counter to a narrative that may not be favorable to a company or a person. And, and I don't, that's one point. The other point is a matter of the, the fact that the, the one thing I own is my DNA and my own personal data. And the fact that my data is just like, you you don't own your data, man. I know. I don't own my data. And that's, (laughs) but that, but that's the point, right? It's, it's a little, it's a little freaky to me. I, I was thinking about that with my, uh, with my son who's five and uh, I don't post anything on Facebook now, but my, uh, but his mother does. And, and the, the thought that, you know, he has no say in the amount of information about him that is already available and he doesn't own it it is it's a little mind-boggling to me and there's something wrong with that it's i feel that there's like it's just wrong uh well i believe that in the next 15 years uh owning data will be a a commodity like uh owning property um Mm -hmm. i think companies and marketers are going to have to pay to like pay customers like hey yeah. here's the amount of money can we get your data so we can run an ad on you do you think then, um do you think blockchain will play into that to protect the data like are you familiar with that much yeah i i man i probably spent six hours trying to understand all that stuff <laughs> yeah I mean, so, I mean me too i'm still learning it but i kind of think uh, it, it seems like it has an application here <laughs> yeah i mean look you can already see there are startups right now i mean i just had lunch with a guy um on a that was working on a startup where 
they are going to go to the Fortune 200 companies and say, you spend $200 million a year on marketing and advertising, spend $100 million, take the $100 million we're gonna, you're already spending, and then reinvest it into giving your customers discounts. So go to Home Depot. You don't have to spend $200 million on ads. You can spend $100 million, and $100 million is going to go to giving people 1% back on their purchases um, or in, so in there and using the data to incentivize people and get paid for it. And that may end up being where marketing goes in the future. It may not. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I still think the, I, I always say content's king, right? Uh, I can tell you how great the data is and how the strategy is, but if your content sucks, you're not getting anything. <laughs> and so, yeah. and we and, know and that in is- politics, our, our creative has to be, it has to tug at emotions, right? It's what we're totally lacking right now is that people don't use their marketing to build relationships. And I think that's so critical to, you've got to build a relationship with your customer and it takes more time and it's more investment. But the bottom yeah. line is nobody wants to click on a banner ad unless you're in the message testing phase. Well, I think and you, I think yeah. you have to allocate a certain, like you said, you have to allocate a certain percentage of your marketing budget to, to retarget your existing customers and offer them incentives to stay with you because that's the easiest segment to go after too. Yep. So I, yeah, I think a lot of companies miss that. Yeah. And, and it's also getting more challenging for because people just don't buy into advertising anymore. You know, what's funny about this is that, you know, because you're talking about, uh, you know, targeting on, on devices and, and, and stuff. Um, and my son, who when he was like two, he knew that skip ad button on, <laughs> on YouTube. Right. He, he knew what the first three seconds still got in that brain. <laughs> and, and, and he, he does not watch advertising. The only advertising that he sees at all is in app advertising when he's playing a game and that, that like he sees more advertising right. that way than any other. But yeah. you could, you could buy that on yeah. Facebook right now. You could buy that in app advertising just so you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, so, uh, so it's going to be like, so what about people who don't use like a Hulu and they're just like Netflix only and uh, like Disney plus, uh, how do you reach those particular? Yeah. They're allowing you to run ads. Now, uh, Disney plus is a little bit different because they, uh, you have to work directly with them and not like mm-hmm. a third party company that's, you know, designed the ability to target yeah. You know, like go, okay, we're going to go with the eyeballs to go with Disney plus. You're going to have to go straight to Disney plus. Like, what about Hulu? Cause difference. Disney just took controlling share in Hulu. My understanding was like just a couple months ago. Did that they change did. at all? Did it, that it hasn't changed yet. No, um, okay. I'm, it's, it's yeah. yeah. I'm yet to, to see whether they'll change the model over at Hulu as well. I'm yeah. sure they will. If it Eventually. So, yeah. <laughs> do you, do you ever run into like points in time where you're like working with a politician and you're just like, this guy is, uh, he's a good for nothing. And just, <laughs> And you still have to market yeah, yeah. him? <laughs> I, I mean, Wait, do you, do you, you think you think they're those kind of people in politics? Yeah, right. One or two. One or two. I've never seen um, one, but maybe. So, I mean, but is it? Don't you? Is, I mean, is there? Do you just put all that aside? and You're just like, I'm in it for the money, or is there like? Oh, yeah. Is there like? <laughs> no. He's just in it for the money. Okay. No, no, no. no I mean, I mean, do you? What, uh, what do you no, do? I've like, never. Uh, I've, I've I kind of made a, a decision 23, 24 years ago where I said I wasn't going to do that and work with those kind of people. Um, I have started working with those people. And then I decided that I walked away. Uh, there was a candidate, um, back in 2006. Uh, he was a reality TV guy. Um, 
and we worked together and he had a lot of promise. He had good brand name identity and all that stuff. And then after about a month, he said, I, I'm going to turn my campaign into a reality show. I've signed a contract with some, you know, crazy, you know, production. Company. This isn't, this isn't the reality show candidate that we all know, right? This is like another, <laughs> 2006. Like a different 2006. Well, he, he, that, that, he wasn't that, running. That, he wasn't running back then. Was he he? Was no, this guy was running for then. Congress. This guy was running. Okay, for okay. And I went. He goes. So you're going to be on TV? And I went. No, I'm not. And he goes. What? And I go, no, I'm not <laughs> doing that. And frankly, if you sign that contract, I'm walking away because I'm in it for people that want to make a, a solid difference on society. He didn't. He signed the. Con- I mean, I left him. He signed the contract. Um, he stopped raising money and doing the things you needed to do to win. And uh, he, he he had this great strategy billboards, which means nothing to me. It's kind of like yard signs. I hate them. (laughs) And so uh, he ended up getting 32% of the vote and his opponent got what, 60 or 68%. So I had left him six months earlier and that was, uh, that was that. Interesting. Wow. So, so, okay. So uh, you say that it's going to be moving more towards like individual devices, uh, you know, geofencing, like focusing on uh, certain people. IP address base too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, so, so on the dark side of this, let's say hypothetically that a lot of people go to a protest, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter, like whatever, whatever they're protesting. And this, this information can also be used for like government tracking as well. Oh, they're just going to be able to absolutely. give you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so. It probably uh, is. Well, I'm sure of it. <laughs> Guaranteed. <I'm sure> of <laughs> So, uh, so and, and, and by the way, I listened, God, I can't, I think it was a, there's a podcast called Reply All, if I'm not mistaken. And I actually found the, the way that this, the, the thing that you're talking about works. There's apps that, and some of them are very popular games that uh, you can download onto your uh, phone. They're free. Um, and uh, the data that you put into the phone is then goes to a third party which then uh, basically is a vendor and sells mm-hmm. the data to anybody. So once your data goes into a app of some sort, uh, even if the terms and conditions might apply on that particular app or with your phone company, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to stay there. So, so do you think that that because uh, here in Europe the laws are a bit more strict. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they you, they you, changed you, a couple of years ago, right? Oh, in fact, in fact, what's really crazy is uh, I never ever get ads on my phone. Uh, with, like if I'm saying something like talking about dog food, I don't get dog food ads on my phone. Sure. It, 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 they're they're not allowed to do that. Um, but do you think that those there's going to be rules that will change, or do you think that people are making so much money and being able to persuade? people to release their free will, essentially, uh, so much that l- there will be no laws to curb this behavior. I think the behaviors will, or the, the ability to, to, tar- or to collect data will absolutely change in the next 10 years. Yeah, okay. Well, that's, that's hopeful. Yeah, I, <laughs> that's I hopeful. think the, there's going to be a much bigger call for privacy. Um, yeah. And, and, um, which is why these companies are probably shifting over to this model of, hey, Download this company's app, and everywhere you go, you get five percent off, five percent cash back on anything you buy. Like yeah. that's going to be the new marketing in ten years. Um, free phone, like you get your phone for free if you, you know. There was a company that tried to do that, Blue, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Well, uh, it's getting so, more expensive so, too to market online. I mean, period. The competition's way up right now, so it's not as cheap as it used to be. Also, I mean, that's got to factor into yeah. some of that too. Right. 
So, so Mark Zuckerrobot and uh, Peter Thiethel went to dinner at the White House mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago. They will not talk about what what that dinner consisted of. It was a long conversation. What was his name, Peter what? Peter, Peter Thiethel? What did they talk about? Are we just like conjecturing here? They have a right to privacy. Like, it may not be what you want. Listen, I mean, like you... Uh, the only thing I put on Facebook is the stuff we're promoting with, with my brand stuff. Like I, I'm off Facebook. I'm pretty much off Instagram. Uh, I've uh, you know, post occasionally on Twitter. Uh, I read, I deleted Snapchat. I'm not going to get on TikTok. I run a digital marketing agency. China runs TikTok. At a certain point, Come I on. just don't <laughs> see. I think it also, you know, I actually wrote a post on this. I think the big next big market crash is social media. Uh, because yeah. um, it started like I'll tell you this when I got on Facebook back in 2008 uh, and Twitter in 2009 I was like this these this is incredible I'm ca- I'm, I'm finding old friends mm-hmm. uh, I'm learning about news events through Twitter uh, wow this is amazing and it's devolved in like you know Gary Vaynerchuk wow. has a great saying marketers ruin everything yeah um, and that's basically what's happened right so I. It's not that I'm a participant on uh, Facebook that much, but they do have the right to talk to the president and they have the right to push their agenda. And that's what our democracy well, is all about. Facebook so that does is not uh, bother me. Facebook's like the same seven people now every single time I go on there. I'm going to see the same seven people post over and over. So, yeah, I mean, you talk about echo chambers. It's like right. yeah, oh, I don't even have political friends, but it's an echo chamber of the same shit every time. Um, no, I, right. since and, you- and, 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 you know, you see this like people will post like if you post something that's happy. There is someone out there that'll be like, well, that's bullshit. Like people get mad and like, then they don't like, and it's like, why am I even participating in this? Like, why, why am I projecting my happiness onto somebody? What is that? Because I want attention. Like, is it all attentional based? Like my projections of happiness, my family are all because I'm needing something that I'm not getting somewhere else. And so maybe I went inward and said, maybe I I should put that into my own family instead. Well, the the biggest, the biggest problem I have with social media, like overall is that it has, it's a, it's a flood of information. It's a fire hose of information. And what it has done is, is it has um, uh, made wisdom a thing of the past because we're not paying attention to the lessons of our forefathers. Part of the thing with history is that, you know, this is the the best information that has been passed down. Like the, the best has risen to the top. We've learned from the mistakes. Society has been built up. And now that's all out the window because uh, we don't care about what happened, you know, 20 years ago. Right. It's all about like getting likes right now. So um, we live in a society where wisdom is is disappearing and your own self-worth has to do with how many likes you get, which is it's retarded, you know, and I don't mean that as a slight against retarded people. I mean that <laughs> as a slight against, like, it's, it's, it's like not so mentally. Andres, you I just know, crossed I just, a line. Yeah, no, that's oh, a, that's a risky word right there. Yeah. Um, I know. Hey, look, uh, I'm a hypocrite. I admit it. I'm in this space using all of these things to get people engaged. Uh, I'm hoping to do it in a way that helps society. I know sometimes it doesn't. I, that's uh, the cross I'll have to bear at some point, but personally, I've I've kind of checked out of it. Yeah, yeah, and it's funny because okay. they. Well, I mean, like, oh, so how do you reconcile that? That's the thing I want right. to know. Do because... you do you ever do anything hypocritical? Oh, all the time. Okay, but but how do you but, but the, that? Uh, well, the thing is, is I try and do better. So for like one of the Me things too. is, is I like, got off social like, media. 
like, well, I made a decision like to not take my son to McDonald's anymore because I feel that, you know, the meat comes from uh, the Amazon rainforest. It has a ton of plastic. The food's not good for you. Um, so, you know, but, but, but really I try to live by my, by my belief system. So, you know, one of those things is of course getting off, off social. So, so what do you do personally to protect yourself and your data? Like, what do you recommend other people do? I mean, you know, uh, here's one little tip if this helps. Um, I will, I do not use Google, even though I had to download uh, <laughs> Google <Dang> Chrome <laughs> to view you sons oh. of bitches today. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't use Google at all. I use DuckDuckGo because they don't track anything you do. There's no history. Mm-hmm. There's no tracking. There's nothing. It's not a good search engine, but I've made that decision that I don't want Google knowing. I mean, Listen, if I wanted to, I could go into Google and I could see every every movement I've had in the last five years. The stores I went into, uh, the arenas I went into, sporting events, uh, you know, how many days a week I went to work. I have a friend of mine who when he's in California, even though he's not like like he he has Google on his phone or whatever. And they'll say, hey, you're here. You know, you're by the airport. Uh, You should go over to this. They're making recommendations unsolicited. I just don't want to do that. So I'm off Google, um, except uh, in my search engines and in and, and my tracking. Well, I want to, before mm. we finish up here, I want to change gears a bit and talk a little bit about your digital and your corporate marketing side of your business. Um, yeah. And also the fact that you've done interviews with some top influencers in marketing. You've been on uh, major news outlets. So do you do you use a lot of uh, do you do you tend to promote yourself like your personal brand? Um, or, or like, tell me about your company. Like, do you have a backend company that's doing a lot of this? Are you doing this mostly like as yourself or like, how, how does it work when you take on a corporate client? Is that mostly you operating? Or yeah. You yeah. We team? have a full service digital marketing agency where, uh, listen, I have a very specific niche. You have to follow. In fact, I'm trademarking the process, the system right now, but you have to follow our five steps, which is Data on your – I don't care. I love the business owner just like I love the, the politician. I care more about the voters and the customers. So you have to do a – you have to invest in a deep dive in your customers first to work yeah. with me. I must understand. And so I have a partnership. This goes back – you're probably going to get Andres uh, mad at me again. But uh, <laughs> I have a partnership with the largest data collection company in America. So I can overlay a a customer file of a company, like we have a major national pest control company. I can overlay their customer file, and then I can tell in each market, I can tell them what their customers think, what they feel, what they value in life, what platforms they're on, and what chronological order. So are they, is Facebook their number one platform? Because we can just, we track them, right? And then... So what we found with this digital, with this pest control company was they were loot. They had spent a ton of mar- millions and millions of marketing. They lost market share. They couldn't figure out why. Um, they had been marketing to discounts for years and it had worked and then it stopped and they didn't know why. Well, the economy changed and the data told us that their customer base had money and discounts seemed cheap and they didn't want to buy into cheap. And so they also wanted a, the customer base wanted a family owned business. Uh, each of their this national chains, they have you know family-owned businesses that own each market, different market. They didn't tell that. They gave money to charity. They didn't tell that. The marketplace, the customer base wanted to know that. Um, they also, the customer base wanted a higher standard. They wanted green products to come into yeah. their home. 
they had green products and they had never marketed it. So we, the data told us all these things. So then we completely did a new ad campaign for them. We, we shot at, we have a full creative team video and the ad, the theme of the ad to get people's attention was there are a lot of things that pester you in life and it's this guy snoring and it's people in traffic and it shouldn't be your bug company. Right. And that, and it's, you know, it, it immediately grabs their attention. It makes them smile. And then it goes into, this is a family owned business. We give money to charity. It's a green product, blah, blah, blah. Right. Well, that we found that through the data, the data. And then we wrote a a strategic marketing plan for them. And then we rebranded them. And then we tested all these messages. This is the fourth step. And then the fifth step was we created this ad once we knew what worked and we went out and ran it form. It's a, it takes you know zero to 90 days to go through the first four steps and then after that it's game on in the fourth month of working with us they had the greatest month in the history of their company wow in marketing and how long have they been in business 44 years okay that's pretty good then (laughs) okay so and i will tell you this it's not because of anything i did it's because i used common sense and said what do your customers care about first gotta listen and once you know that then you deliver the message high quality green products family owned uh we give money to charity and then because here's what here's what i know and you guys i know some of you guys one of y'all has a seo background right if people are going to go and search for a pest control company, they're not doing it for green products. They're not doing it for family-owned business. They're not doing it because they give money to charity. They're doing it because they want the bugs dead. That's it. I got bugs. I need them dead. Google <laughs> bug company. Now, there's a menu. What's the difference that makes the difference when you go to that menu? That's what I love. That's what I'm concerned about. That's what I think about. So. Wow. If you want to work with me, you have to follow this process, this five-step process, because here's the thing. I've had a lot of companies come to me, big ones, and say, nah, 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 nah. We just want to run a bunch of Facebook ads. And I go, I won't work with you. Like, you can't, I don't want the short-term play. I'm in to build businesses and help them grow. I'm in month-to-month contracts. After you work with me for the first month, you get the strategic plan we write you. If you don't like it, I'll give you your money back. I take all the risk off the table for the business owner. And if they still think they want to take the get-rich-quick pill, then I'm not the right person for them. Tell me about the free five-minute audit that you're offering the listeners or you're offering anyone interested in working with you in the future. Like, tell me about that on your website. Yeah, I mean, this goes back to there's so many people that are confused I mean, you guys know this, right? Like there are a thousand ways that you can market your product or service. How are you doing this properly? And so what we came up with was, well, you know what? We're going to give something back in a way that gives people some insight. So we created a five-minute marketing on it. If you're a marketer or a business owner, you go to philipstuts.com and click on the free marketing audit tab. It's a, it takes you five minutes to fill it out. It's your publicly available digital footprint. My team will spend two to three business days pouring over everything you're doing, and then they will put together a 25-point checklist seven page report on what you're doing right and what you can improve. And we'll also do a 30 minute call to answer your questions and, and tell you, you know, go through it with you and do all that. And it's absolutely free. You do not have to hire me to do this. That's a great deal. (laughs) If after that you go, Holy shit, I got to work with you guys. Cool. That's great. We'll talk about what that looks like. But if you go, cool, I got this report. I'm going to go do it myself. Go do it yourself. And no minimum requirement. I mean, do you need a company that's making a certain amount of money or anything? To they qualify? need to make at least a billion dollars a year. Okay. Uh, yeah, of course. No, I'm just yeah, at least no. a billion. Anyway, <laughs> no. Most of the company, so, no, no, no. Any, any company can come in. We have had uh, 
we've had clients, we've had two that have come in that are over a billion dollar companies, but we've also had a lot of startups. So it just, it's run the gambit. Yeah. Wow. Well, this, this has been an incredible conversation, Philip. I would, uh, I would love to have, you know, you know, one of the things I, I really loved about this conversation was the fact that uh, you and I obviously are on two sides of the political spectrum. But uh, we uh, can have a decent conversation without uh, trolling each other and getting into name. Not too bad. Which we, we, there, there's hope. There's hope for America. Well, like we should. Like uh, my wife is a insanely liberal Democrat, right? Really? Yeah. And Why'd she marry half you? Half of my friends. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Half of my friends. Over half of my friends are liberal. Like I. Mm-hmm. We like my wife and I met each other 13 years ago. No one gave a shit. It was yeah. like, oh, you think that way? Cool. You think that way? Cool. Now you can't do that. I don't think in this day and age, my wife and I would have worked out. I'm dead yeah. serious. They actually have yeah. legitimately have online dating sites that are like only Republicans and only Democrats right now. Yeah. I know. It's, <laughs> it's crazy. crazy. So I, I'm wired this way. I think uh, Andres is because of our age. Like, in all honesty, like maybe age is something that's good to getting older, which is I just care about the person. And by the way, here's what I know. If you and I yeah. sat down. And talked about everything that we believed in. We'd probably agree on 75% oh, of everything. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I, and, and, and I would uh, you know, and I, I would love to have that conversation with you at some point. If you ever come out to the Netherlands, please, uh, <laughs> I would love to hang out. I love that. Um, so, two, we, we've got to wrap up the show. Um, but two things. First of all, at the beginning of the show, we talked about uh, you, you are also doing all of this high-stress stuff. You have a life-threatening illness. And, and how do you, how do you like take care of yourself through that? Like how, how, how do you, how do you manage all of this? Uh, I'm, I, I just, look, I, I'm an entrepreneur. I, I own four companies. Um, all of them are profitable, no debt, um, no outside investment. Um, I, we're, I, I'm, I'm just. I love being an entrepreneur. And when I decided to, I was diagnosed with a, and by the way, I did the opposite with my health. So for the first five years that I had this disease, it's called achalasia. It's uh, an esophageal disease. My esophagus doesn't work. So eating doesn't really work for me. Like my, everything gets stuck. There's no muscle wow. that pushes food into my stomach. Um, and it'll never, it's an incurable disease. It affects old people, people in their seventies and eighties mostly. Um, and I was diagnosed in my thirties and, uh, without a cure, um, I will have my esophagus removed and I'll be on a feeding tube the rest of my life, uh, within five or 10 years. And so, um, I stuck my head in the sand, said, uh, I'll let the doctors deal with this. And I didn't want to deal with it. And when the doctor said the feeding tube, even I, uh, we, it's funny that we talk about, I don't Google anymore, but, uh, I had not never Googled this disease in five years. I'd had three major surgeries where they had ripped apart my esophagus. I'd had 15 minor procedures and I'd still never Googled it. That's how, uh, wrapped in fear I was of this. I turned everything over to the doctors. I was going to the Mayo Clinic, which is the best hospital in the United States. And I just said, well, they'll deal with it. They're the best. Those doctors see 100 patients a day. I'm no different, and there's no different. And their, their strategy is a cookie-cutter strategy, uh, the exact opposite of the way I'm wired in my own business. And so I just decided I was taking things into my own hands. Uh, I declared that I would find a cure to my disease in five years, a disease that's rare. There's no research dollars in rare diseases. Uh, I did this two years ago, uh, three years ago, and um, I wrote an article in Inc. Magazine. Uh, A researcher of the disease found it, 
long, crazy, circuitous story, but uh, I found one doctor that has been working on the disease for 20 years. We partnered. Uh, he built a team around me. We got, we've wow. worked with the FDA. Now we're, it's at Johns Hopkins University. We, we're working with Johns Hopkins. We have it all approved. And this past fall, uh, I started the first ever one-man clinical trial where they, uh, they are extracting, st- they extracted stem cells out of my thigh muscle, the skeletal stem cells. They are in a, uh, in a lab right now being cultured and grown. And this spring, they will insert them into my esophagus to try to regenerate the muscles and the nerves. That's incredible. Uh, wow. It has never been done before on animals, much less people. Uh, it could have a really bad consequence. We don't know. It could or have, a, it could have a great consequence. We don't know. Yeah. But I've decided I'm going to go for it, and I don't want to live like this anymore. And so I just took an entrepreneurial approach. It's not that the doctors at, at the Mayo Clinic were wrong. It's that they have to see 100 patients a day. I'm yeah. no different. And if you understand that about your health, that no, every we're all wired differently. Are all people will say you got to get on this diet and this health? Well, your body handles different things different ways, and everybody is different. And I had to understand my body first, and then try to figure out what would work for it. And I just took an entrepreneurial approach, and we'll see it works. By the way, most entrepreneurs fail. I'm and if this fails, I'm okay with it. I am. I'm totally good. I will go for Plan B. I truly believe that one day I will be able to keep. Uh, to eat normally again, uh, to avoid esophageal cancer, which I'm very susceptible to now, um, and and that I'll have a normal life. It may be this test. It may not. It may be something else. I don't know, but I'm going to go for it. Well, brother, I am rooting for you. Thank you. And uh, uh, we, will you come back on the show? Like, because uh, we we had a, another. Um, uh, political expert. Uh, they were actually a, a, a movement body language uh, person, um, and we wanted to have them come back on uh, to rate the candidates. But I would love to have you back on as we get closer to the election, so you can rate the candidates' uh, political ads or strategies yeah. and, or strategies. Yeah, it'd be a lot of fun. Hey, you know what's really interesting about your side? They're going to well, nominate someone that's old and white. <laughs> Are you are you, are you, you know, saying Joe Biden is that is he the is he the guy Bernie or, or Warren Trump. or Bloomberg their top candidates are all in their seventies and old and that's, they're white I, true that's I, the party I, of diversity I'm Elizabeth Warren <laughs> I'm an Elizabeth Warren fan but uh, well, Bernie, sure yeah. she's old and white of course you are <laughs> you know what uh, I would vote for Oprah I mean I would too actually look I think I she's think just at this point I would vote for a Saint Bernard I mean honestly. <laughs> With what's in there, I would just... All right, I got one last one. What do you think the most important issue is right now for Democratic primary voters? Hmm, the most important issue... Uh, hmm. I don't know. Well, just guess. Let's see. I would say uh, the mo- health care. All right, Justin, what do you think? Uh, I would say that it's... Well, I want to say they want to disrupt the economy. I think it's still the economy, even though the economy is thriving, according to the data, um, like they want to change the whole system. So I don't know. That's what I but I'm leaning towards that because because of the way they're proposing kind of the um, the democratic socialism. Yeah. So you're not even close, either one of you. Um, And the number one issue in the Democratic primary voting right now is anybody that can beat Trump. Uh, Okay. yes. 
I would agree. I would agree with that. That's not a trick question. That is literally. They're like, we don't care about the environment. Beat Trump. Like that's it. Just whatever it takes. Beat first things Trump. first. And that yeah. kind of motivation is very powerful. It's very powerful. Well, that's why. That's why I left the states because while because I, I I knew like I I have I like what's going to happen next. I have a pretty good idea about what's going to happen next with all of this. And uh, before it happens, I was like, nope, I'm out. So. Uh, I just I just left the fray. I just Wait, like stepped before back we before that. we finish though. I do have to ask you because you were on Gary you were on Gary V's show. This is totally yeah. different here. But I want to what was that? That looked like uh, he looked a little. He looks less fit in that photo. So I'm assuming that was like 2012 to 2014, 2015 range. No, that was about a, uh, about 15 months ago. Really? Because yeah. he, all right, all right, all right, Gary. I guess you got better. You got in better health recently. <laughs> um, get get to the cross. Um, so what what uh, uh, what was that like? Like what was that experience like? What was it like meeting Gary V and uh, just tell me just briefly, like in a minute, you know. I love the guy, and I actually think if he wanted to run, he can't legally, but if he ever wanted to run for president, I think he could probably win. Um, I've, I've been, uh, uh, we had a 20 minute uh, interview, which was crazy, it was on the Daily V. Uh, we talked about politics, about, you know, how he would run for office. We talked about the similarities of politicians and, and brands and how he looks at brands. And I, I really, I like the mission. I know he drives some people. You know, the energy is all over the place, um, but his heart is full of gold. It really is. What you see is what you get. Now, that did he guy. find you or did you did you reach out to his office to get on that? We have a mutual friend and um, mm. uh, they connected us. Um, I'm now uh, they're booking Vayner Speakers as his speaking bureau. Okay. And um, they're 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 booking me on speaking well, now through Gary's oh, uh, the, through Gary's platform. Yeah, power so, of relationships. Uh, you mentioned relationships that matter. Yeah, yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. And you know so, the other um, one is uh, James Altucher, who I think is mm, like the, yeah. the greatest guy. I, I'm just ever. getting familiar with him now. I, I hadn't heard of him until recently, but yes, he's pretty incredible. Nice. Well, finally, uh, before we wrap up, uh, we here at the Marketing Geeks always like to find out what people are geeky about. So. What is the thing that you are most geeky about? Outside of politics, like, I guess. <laughs> outside of politics, outside like it could be like what you're doing, but like movie, book, TV show, uh, hobby. What are you? What are you most geeky about right now? Well, can I talk about what it is in marketing? Because I'm kind of sure. obsessed with. Yeah, something. go go. Yeah, That's fine. Yeah, whatever it is you're geeky uh, about. Retargeting pools. Ooh, it's wow. really geeky. So my thing is this: I believe in building relationships with customers. That your first uh, transaction is not, uh, it should not be the sale. It should be to get people into a retargeting pool so you can continue to build the relationship with them. Yeah. And, and so I'm obsessed with how do you take someone from not knowing your brand to in a retargeting pool and then what you do with them once they're in the retargeting pool. How you deliver content that really satisfies and gets them to go, I want what they're selling. Yeah. And so uh, I just, I have a subscriber list. It's also at philipsess.com, but I just wrote a post on how e-com companies should be looking at retargeting pools around the holidays. Uh, I'd, I'd encourage you to go read it because I think there's a step process every, every company should be using in e-com uh, or B2C companies that they should be following to get people into retargeting pools to convert them as customers. 100%. And I think wow. if you're not doing that, you're missing a big boat. You're missing the boat because you need multiple touches before somebody trusts you too, especially oh, if they're yeah. totally cold traffic. Right. So the retargeting Absolutely. gives you that opportunity. That's right. Right on, man. Well, uh, Justin, what are you geeky about this week? Um, 
Crap, what did I just watch? I watched something. I don't even know what it was. But That's I, I, amazing. I, I, <laughs> what was it? I'm, I want to buy it. Right? Right? <laughs> I, I, I've uh, talked about Succession on HBO. I'm a big fan of that show, which is uh, which is kind of like a conservative family that runs a news media outlet that all like backstab and fight each other, which I think is a fun show. <laughs> um, but the other, uh, I guess the, the Irishman is the one I'm excited about, but I haven't watched it yet. So what yeah. am I, I can't really, yeah. can't get too excited yet. You have yet. three and a half hours of time? I haven't found oh, it yet, man. but I got to find it. It'll be like between like my, one my, and four a.m. <laughs> my wife keeps falling asleep uh, in the middle of movies, especially long ones, and so I'm tempted to like just take take the Irishman and like have her watch it and fall asleep, and then put in like something else. Like oh, you know, uh, you know what? You know, I, I just watched Knives Out. I totally I don't know why I forgot, but Knives Out is actually really oh. good. Ryan Johnson redeemed himself from the Last Jedi travesty, and he made a good movie. It. It's like a it's like a Columbo style like um, detective movie. So if you if you ever I'll, I'll see it I'll see it on uh, Saturday and then finally for me I saw the new episode of season one of season four of Rick and Morty brand new Rick and Morty episode which was great as always my wife hates it so you, I don't know if it's going to work out eventually because you know we have this huge issue like, Republican Democrat that's one thing but not liking Rick and Morty that's like a mortal sin um, and then uh, I uh, Watchmen the Watchmen show on HBO is mind blowingly good. Mm. But uh, you must read the graphic novel, or at least see the Watchmen movie. That it's a sequel, out. right? Is it a sequel? Like it's yeah, it's, it's it takes place a, a, a few years afterwards. But uh, uh, it's so well done, uh, and I'm really impressed. I'm about halfway through it, and I I really enjoy it. So there you go. Hey and, guys, um, uh, let me say this: I'm really grateful to have me on. Um, I oh believe, man, this was fantastic. I believe. Uh, niche is the way to be successful in this world now everybody's trying to go broad and big and i just don't think it works but the fact that there's a podcast for marketing geeks is so cool and niche and i just love Thanks, that man. mission i think you guys do a great job so thank you for thank having you me. We'll, we'll share share with five thousand of your closest friends yeah. no, i will and, uh, i will yeah. absolutely and get, us, get gary vanderchuk on the show or we'll go on his show whatever works you know Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, or so, uh, I mean, Philip, yeah. Philip Stutz, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for being on the show. This was amazing. Really great. Yeah, I'm glad you guys didn't fight each other and uh, you kept it civil. And that was fascinating you know stuff. All, all, he, he was an all right dude for for a right wing guy, you know. But <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't hold it against him. I, I mean, I, I actually, honestly, I, I enjoy that I can. Uh, we it's 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 weird, but when we have a day and age where somebody who has political differences, you can actually sit down and uh, talk. But I I, I want to I, I interesting stuff about the Cambridge Analytica. Uh, you yeah. Know, so yeah, we'll have, uh, have to look I, a little deeper into that. Yeah. I, I was I was schooled, but uh, you know, and also the fact that uh, 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 people are looking for someone, anyone who could beat Donald Trump is uh, also a very as a number as a number one voting issue. I, I think yeah. I think it's actually because they people feel that if if we can get someone other than Trump, we'll just figure out the rest of the shit later. So. And you have to realize that we're in the primary season, so that might that will likely change once they settle on somebody. But that's like the that's their number one, and then and then it'll shift as they get into the main um, general election. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So uh, you know who I have next to me right who's, now? Who's that? Is my uh, lovely uh, wife, Iris, who's going right. to tell us about next week's guests here. Welcome, Iris. Hey, welcome. Hi, Justin. So that was a great show. Um, so uh, we are looking at next week's recording. And you are going to receive Christopher Luckhead. 
And um, the Christopher, <laughs> my man is pushing me into the microphone now. <laughs> Christopher, besides that he is good looking, but that you don't see on this uh, recording, is uh, an author and um, his new book, Niche Down, uh, is coming out. And you are probably going to talk about his new book and of uh, all the other exciting things he has to mention. So really looking forward to Christopher Lockhead next week. So all right. thank you. Bye. Thank you, Iris. Thank you, Iris. All right, Iris, ladies and gentlemen. One more friendly. time. One more time. Who, who also, got to give her a shout out. She produces the show and keeps us on track and makes sure that, uh, you know, we seem handles a lot more professional. Handles all the guest bookings. Handles all the <laughs> guest booking and all that. And with that, oh yeah, another fine, fine episode Man, of the marketing game. Why haven't we worked on political campaigns? What's our problem? Why are we not? Why are we not working the back end of these things? Because we have morals, my friend. Oh, okay. We have ethics. <laughs> well, I do. <laughs> One <laughs> of us does. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So we've got uh, uh, Christopher Lockhead next uh, episode. More, uh, we've got to do some geek news one of these days. Yeah, um, you know, and eventually we got to drop another webinar too. So we got, we got, we got things to do here. We got things to do. Yeah, and I still, uh, yeah, lots of stuff coming up. So um, yeah, and uh, I hope uh, everybody is getting ready for Christmas. I hope everybody's staying healthy. You know, and um, try yeah, it, man. The holidays are just around the corner, at least while we're recording this, and likely right when we release it, they're even closer. So get excited for those. And with that, have a uh, fantastic rest of the year, beginning of next. And we are the Marketing Geeks, out! Stay classy.